Welcome back to the User Flows Podcast, everyone. My name is Thomas Morell, and this is a show where we talk about UX design and careers. I interview designers about their journey into the field and break down how they've been successful in their roles so we can all learn together. Uh, today, I'm joined by Ellie Millen. Ellie is a UX design and research leader, empathy advocate in products, mentorship, and life. I like that tagline a lot. And I think I first met Ellie on a job interview. And even though that didn't end up working out, it was a really fun conversation. And I invited Ellie on today. And I'm very excited to welcome her onto the show. Hi, Ellie. Hi, um, thank you so much. Happy no problem. And could you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, more than we could get from your LinkedIn profile? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, went to school down in Oregon for studio art. But uh, even even when I was in that mode, I knew that I wanted to get into digital. Uh, I'd been interested in graphic design for a really long time, and um, and so I kind of I kind of twisted my school's arm to let me do. <laughs> they didn't offer anything in digital, and technically, it was like everyone else around me was getting like painting, like oil painting and portraiture and sculpture degrees, and I was like digital art. Um, like a crazy person, but it, it worked out. I got my first job in graphic design back here in Alaska, wound up moving a couple of times in different places across the country. And as I got more into kind of marketing and art direction, figured out that, that as much as I loved doing the visuals, um, there was an itch that wasn't being scratched in terms of like problem solving. Um, I, I also was starting to encounter, I think, a frustration that a lot of designers hold near and dear to their hearts, which is when clients come back and say things like, I don't like that shade of blue. And you don't have anything to necessarily back it up other than your expertise, right? You're like, yep. you're like, no, like you're like, we did a, we, we did a competitive analysis. We looked at your competitors <laughs> and what they're doing, and this will help you stand out. And there are all these reasons that we did these things. And they go, well, I see colors. So I just, I don't like that. And you're like, well, you're not, <laughs> you're not your user. Yeah. That's what led me into user research and user experience design as, as a practice, wanting to have something more than my own expertise um, or my own perspective, because you get into a room and it becomes a battle of the perspectives. And like, that's not actually helping anyone accomplish what we're all here to do, which is to, yeah. to build things that work or build things that resonate, help tell stories. So <laughs> that's how I got into UX. Nice. I love that. And I guess, are there a lot of jobs up in Anchorage, you know, before the whole remote, um, you know, craze has started? Mostly in marketing. So when it, by the time yeah. I was doing UX, I was living in Chicago and that made it a lot easier. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Fantastic. And so what are you working on uh, these days? So uh, right now I am technically working on myself. Um, oh, I am. Yeah, I, I am um, uh, by choice kind of in between roles. I've been prepping to take a little bit of a career break for quite some time. I've been working for some form of income since I was 14. Um, okay. So it was so it was time to just take, you know, just a couple months, a little sabbatical. And and um, I am I'm in discussion with a few folks for what's next. Uh, okay. But but so far, just kind of trying to take a step back and yeah. um, and 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 really make sure that I know what I want. Like, I think, I think that's a really important thing for folks and it's really hard to do sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, I think something we all don't think about often enough. I would love to take a few months off. <laughs> that <sounds laughs> and that's, that's the response I've gotten from everyone. So to, to anyone, I would say, do it. It is, your brain is always passively working on stuff. Like yeah. having the space to just kind of let it and set your own priorities and interrogate sort yeah. of how you show up to, to your career and to yourself and to your profession. Oh, that's great. And um, any yeah. uh, deep or great insights 
Uh, oh, um, bound boundaries. <laughs> I think I think we all struggle with boundaries as designers, right? I think a lot yes. of us get into this in part because we are people pleasers because we do want to we want to do good and we want people to tell us that we did good. Um, yeah. And and finding that finding that place in yourself that security. Um, uh, uh, pursue that, find that, keep digging for that. Cause it's there. We all yeah. have it. I, I believe. Um, oh, that's great. Um, yeah. that, that's fantastic. I, I feel like you, at least in my perspective, like you're just kind of going from one role to the next without taking any real time to reflect on, you know, what you're really good at and what yeah. you really want to be doing. Like what's really gonna kind of scratch the creative itch or help you grow, help you yeah. You know, on to the next level. So that that's really neat. Um uh congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm excited for you. And don't rush back. Don't rush back. It, yeah. It'll be there for you. Um, <laughs> that's the hope. That's the yeah. that's the risk, right? You gotta take I some know. risks every once in a while. Yep. So, and so I guess as you get back into it, I know um mm -hmm. you'll be going through the whole interviewing process. Yeah. And in your past roles, as you did with me, I'm sure you've interviewed, you know, a lot of designers. Mm -hmm. Are there any, I guess, big pitfalls you see people make that they should avoid? The uh, it, yeah, especially with younger designers, I think everyone tries to represent themselves as who they think, like the designer that they think everyone's looking for. And that almost invariably translates to, I'm a unicorn. I can do it all. I can do it all. I can do it all. And it's like, for, uh, for one, early in your career, you don't have the foundation to, to do it all like that. And honestly, no one does. It's okay. <laughs> be, be honest with yourself. Be honest with who you're talking to about your strengths, about your passions, about your interests. Um, very few recruiters are actually looking for unicorns. They're looking for someone to fill a specific role, to be part of a team, to be part of a, a, a collaborative and integrated group where you aren't going to own the whole thing end to end. It's incredibly rare that any company is set up so that you can own something end to end even as you move up in management, right? At the point that you're owning something end to end, you aren't the one actually doing the day-to-day -day work. You're managing a bunch of people who are your interaction designer and your UI designer and your UX researcher and your content strategist and your, and your, your group who all specialize in something. So don't be afraid to specialize like, and don't be afraid to be honest about that specialty and about your strengths. Uh, no one wants to hear, I'm good at everything. Because yeah. cause we all of us know in our hearts and our little deepest bits of ourselves that that's not true. <laughs> it's just not, it's not true for me. Yeah. I've worked really hard to be strong in research and UX and because I have a graph design background. I have some visual strengths, but I know that I am best when I'm paired with a UI designer who is just like light years better than I could ever be. Right. Yeah. Cause like, that's not that, that type of visual ingenuity is just not my strength. I'm good at systems. I'm good at information architecture. I'm good at talking to people. Yeah. I get that. No, and it takes a lot of, I guess, uh, emotional intelligence to know what you're good at and what you're not good at and to, you know, when to let other people take the reins and those things. So that That's fantastic. Um, and so what are some of the things you see designers do that stand out in your mind? So the, the great things people do in interviews that kind of, you know, blow you away and say, oh yeah, I want to hire this person. Yeah. When, when someone is able to connect uh, what they've done in the past to the role really effectively. That doesn't mean, oh, I've done exactly what you want before. Right. Um, so an example that I'll give is that at one point I was um, interviewing someone for a UX content role and uh, it was in financial services and they had previous experience in crypto. I know nothing about crypto. I, yeah. I mean, I know like, 
that much. I know teensy amounts about crypto, know what it is. I know the basic principles of blockchain, but um, what they, the story that they were able to tell me, which was totally true. And I say story and we have a, there's kind of a bad connotation around that. And there doesn't have to be, but, but the, the connective tissue that they were able to present was that they had experience taking complex ideas and simplifying them for a consumer-based audience. Mm. And that's vital in financial services content strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So, so being able to look one layer down, what not just what experiences have I had, we're not trying to one-to-one, no one's trying to one-to-one your experience to the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, what your interviewer wants to see is that you understand the connection of what you bring and the, yeah. what that experience has taught you that you're bringing forward. Oh, perfect. I like that. Um, and so I know you focus a lot on the research side, mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic. Um, and I mentor students and the research aspect, I feel like is a bit of a black box for them in some ways. Yeah. Um, can you explain, you know, what UX research is and, you know, what are some of the basic tools, activities um, somebody should think about when starting a project? Yeah. So, so UX research to me in a nutshell is the, the organized gathering of feedback okay. uh, and, and using sort of tips and tricks and all of these kinds of little different things to, to try and strip away the things that influence that feedback in a way that twists you off of what's actually happening. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's advanced feedback gathering, uh, within that, the easiest way to gather feedback is just to ask, Mm -hmm. um, is, is ask people around you and, and cultivate, cultivate a sense of why, Keep asking why. I think that's the easiest thing that anyone can do anytime. It doesn't take any money. It doesn't take anything extra. Understand the audience, understand the people who you're asking why. Why have you given me that feedback? Why is that like, tell me more, tell me more, do phrases. Why and tell me more. Um, everyone, everyone is a, is, is a user in some way, whether it's you're giving a presentation to someone, the people who are observing your presentation are your users. It's part of your job to communicate clearly with them and get your point across uh, and, and gather their feedback and take that forward and move forward in, in, in what you're doing next. Um, so I think, I think for anyone, that's just always. Why? Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are the easiest things to grab onto. Yeah. From a from a like activities perspective, once you start having, say, a little bit of budget, a little bit of something to play with, um, probably the easiest things to set up are um, are feedback sessions during which you can use a couple of different uh, techniques. I, again, uh, there are a lot of these things that are kind of covered in listicles. The things that I have found that are kind of the underlying principles that have helped me the most uh, are things like um, don't don't tell someone what you don't tell someone what you want them to tell you. Okay. Right. That's a pitfall that I see a lot of people fall into is like, okay, so we're here today to find out whether or not you like this. You're like, nope, (laughs) nope. You've just, you've, you've just biased the session. You aren't actually going to get good feedback. And most people want to want to tell you that you did good, Mm -hmm. even if you didn't. And so the, and, and if you didn't, you actually are going to learn more. Like there, there have been times where I've had to pull designers back and say, Hey, we should put something out into the field that is actually more extreme than where we think we want to land. Cause we're going to get more feedback that way. We're going to get clearer feedback on, on this. If we go really boldly in this direction, <laughs> as okay. opposed, as opposed to trying to put the moderate thing out there for, especially for AB testing. Oops, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Happens all the time. Yeah, I'm sure. 
Um, <laughs> so don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid for the negative feedback, but also don't bias people up front. Let them just, here's, here's what we're talking about today. It is, for example, a single page example. Tell me what you see. Yeah. Tell me what you Perfect. see. Yeah. And just, and just let people tell you that. And then you can go into the like, okay, well, this is the thing that we're actually trying to do. Like, what do you think about blah, 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 blah. Great. Yeah. But once you've told them the things that you have, that you hold in your heart, you can never get back their unfiltered sort of raw as if they just came to it for the first time without you there, which is how most people are going to encounter your product in the wild. Um, right. <laughs> once, once you bias them, there's no going back. <laughs> I like that. I really like the, um, the idea of going bolder than you, you know, think you need to, because mm-hmm. I feel like as designers, especially when designing for corporate kind of interests, like uh, especially financial services as yeah. where I work too, I feel like we kind of restrain ourselves <clears throat> thinking that we're going to get that negative feedback from people when sometimes that's exactly what they need, that kind of new innovative design or idea. Um, I also really like that, you know, creating a sense of why I think you are cultivating a sense of why I really like that. Yeah. Fantastic advice. <laughs> so can we do a, like a, for instance, like, a, yeah. all right. So, you know, you're a new brand new uh, designer on a product team and you've been kind of tasked with taking a new idea to market. And mm-hmm. so kind of, maybe it's your first project you're running on your own. Um, what type of process would you recommend um, like what type of research to, you know, get things started on that project? Yeah. Um, first is internal interrogate the problem, make sure that the idea has been vetted. I think there are a lot of people uh, or a lot of instances, especially if it's a growing team, maybe this is the first time that they've had someone who is truly bringing a a user-centered discipline. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think there, you encounter a lot of situations where someone will go like, oh, well, they're not using our product. Let's add features. Mm -hmm. And if someone hasn't taken a step back to say, they're not using our product. Why, why, why is important. Uh, it's because they can't find it. Okay, well then adding features isn't going to do anything for us. Yeah. And and in fact, we need to, to so for, first check out the problem space. It's entirely possible that you're coming, that I've walked into situations before where a completely separate research team has done a phenomenal job nailing down the problem space. Awesome. Then just, just keep it pushing. Um, but make sure that that work's been done first. Otherwise you, you're going to go off and spend a whole ton of money on <laughs> time, money, resources, everything on, on something that isn't actually going to end up helping anyone. Yeah. Um, once you're sure of the problem space, that's when uh, you start doing co-creation from my perspective, co-creation, the earlier that you can bring in your development team, uh, the better, the earlier that you can bring in stakeholders, the better, even if it's just to update them on the process, there's always a fine line with who gets to have uh, sort of input versus decision-making power. That collaborative space is always a little challenging to navigate. Um, but don't be afraid of it. I think a lot of people are really afraid of like, oh, as soon as I start showing this to people, everyone's going to shred it and tear it apart. And that's, (laughs) that's part of where I think that internal confidence comes from of like, no, like you can stand by your work and what you've done while also getting input from, from people who have a different perspective than you. Like if I don't know the history of the decision-making to get to this idea, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the chances that I'm on the same page of everyone go way, way down. Yeah. So like those, those check-ins, those co-collaboration, those co-creation moments are, are really important. And I think a lot of people are afraid to have them and skip over them, especially in a new environment. They don't want to look stupid. Yeah. Um, and my, my favorite thing is coming into a room and looking stupid. Just do it. It's, 
you, you will get so much more out of it. You get so much power from walking in and being able to say, Hey, I'm new here and I don't know anything. Can you help me? Can you help me understand how this decision was reached? I really want to make sure that we're working from the same place of understanding. Like people love talking about the past. People love gossiping. People love sharing those things. Solicit it. You will gain so much more and, and do so much better work with that knowledge. Once you're there, it kind of depends on the product, how you want to go about conducting the research and doing the iterative process and double diamond. I think we all know and love and appreciate. Um, There are a lot of great resources and articles on, on different methodologies to use at different phases of the double diamond. Um, But, but don't, don't let people take the iteration away from you. (laughs) Don't let people as as much as you can. Um, uh, uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that we can evangelize in our profession is, is the first version is not the final version. It's, it should never be the final version. We always should be pushing for that little bit of extra feedback, that little bit of iteration. That doesn't mean that we can't build or stay focused on MVP, all of these kinds of things, but, but draft is not final ever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, especially in software. But um, yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, and I think that's a problem for a lot of junior designers is saying yeah. like, hey, I don't know. And asking yeah. the questions. Um, that's to get, okay. Yeah. Nobody knows. This is this is the hint. <laughs> nobody really knows. Junior designers, nobody knows. It's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. promise. All, all of us are doing whatever we're doing for the first time, right? Yeah. Like I, you may have some experience prior, like this, you know, we're talking about in interviews, connecting your previous experience to how it's going to influence and help you be successful in this next thing. Yeah. But no, no one wants to do the same thing for five years. So guess what? You probably haven't done this before. Your manager managed at some point for the first time. I managed for the first time, like, I don't know, um, six months before the pandemic started. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then kept managing through it and transitioned to fully remote and all of those things. It was all the first time we were all doing it. Yeah. It's okay. Everyone's doing their best. Just, we can all just be honest. I think we can all just be honest about it. It's okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good lead into that. Um, Could you walk us through um, that, you know, experience of (laughs) starting to manage and then, you know, the world shutting down? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing that I struggled with, I think a lot of, of designers struggle with as they transition into management is, uh, is delegation is letting go. Yeah. And, and the, the, I am, I am so, so lucky that I had this modeled for me, um, from a, a couple of different, uh, mentors over the past couple of years. Um, but, but a key, <laughs> a really key important thing. And, and this, I felt like this really came to fruition for me during the pandemic um, is, is helping people understand what you see that isn't working and not giving the solution, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Not giving the solution as someone who has more experience and someone who is like, oh, if you just, if I just did it, it'd be done in 20 minutes. Yeah. You're taking learning opportunities away from your people when you do that. You, you have to say, Hey, this is what I see these, you know, this hierarchy really isn't communicating. Like our goal is this, and you're falling short here and that's okay. Take it back, push on these things. Here are some levers you might be able to pull. Here's maybe an example, but I'm not going to be prescriptive with you Hmm. on what the solution is because someone else might come up with a better idea than me. That's fine. 
Mm -hmm. We all, I think, have had the experience of having a manager come in and say, do it this way. And then you're in it and you're doing the work. And that solution is no longer viable Mm -hmm. because you've pushed somewhere beyond what they could see in that moment. That's okay. Like that, I think as leaders, we have to be comfortable with those moments of I'm not the one in the weeds anymore. Yeah. So I have to trust my people that they tried something and that there's coaching and there's good faith and there's, you know, some things to go into this, but you have to have some trust that, that people will rise to the occasion. And I think yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I feel like that's probably one of my biggest struggles when I first went to management from design was just like, oh, like I don't actually get to do the work anymore and I have yeah. to rely on somebody else to do it. It's a very different job. Yeah, but yeah. but going from in person to remote, uh, honestly, in some ways, was great because yep. now all of a sudden it's really easy for us to to just kind of pop it. We were working in Figma, which uh, thank God, <laughs> not to not to promo anything. I'm happy to bleep if I'm not supposed <laughs> to promo any particular programs. Totally um, fine, totally fine. Hoping there'll be a sponsor one day. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, we we found the the remote collaboration with with Figma to be absolutely critical yeah. um, to what we were doing. We were able to develop little mini systems that worked for everyone, and and uh, it meant a lot more meeting time, right? Like you can't have sort of those serendipitous, like, hey, can I grab you for a second and pull you in and we'll whiteboard something and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You have to be a lot more deliberate about your communication. Um, for me, that looked like uh, uh, standing one on ones with every single member of my team every week. Okay. Every single week. It meant two standups a week. It meant, um, uh, an organized critique space where we shared our work to make sure that, that uh, things were all flowing across. And we still felt really siloed, like a lot of, (laughs) it's a lot of communication, but that's, that's the only way to get it done. Yeah, no. And I feel like that communication and that kind of silo, even when you're in person kind of can happen as well. Yeah, it absolutely can. Yeah, because you're working on different projects, you have different things going on. So yeah. making the time to have that connection, that's great. Um, so that being said, um, another for instance, if you don't mm-hmm. mind, yeah, is, of course. you know, somebody, so you're a designer, you've been working a number of years and, you know, you're getting your first crack at management. Um, yeah. You might be inheriting, you know, a team of creatives. Um, any... I guess, advice for a new manager kind of stepping up to that role. What, uh, what can they do to, you know, ensure success and all that fun stuff? Listen, listen before you do anything else. Listen for like two or three weeks. Um, talk to people one-on-one talk to people in groups, understand the lay of the land. Like uh, again, people want to share their experiences, right? Like uh, uh, approach management, like you approach anything else in UX, empathy, understanding the people around you, understanding what they need, understanding where things maybe have fallen short in the past. Um, and, and that doesn't mean again, just like with users, because a user goes, I want a search bar at the top. That doesn't mean you do it. Yeah. That means you dig into it and go, okay, what are we not providing right now that this person thinks this is the solution for? Mm-hmm. You can, you can do that with the people around you too, with what, whatever you're hearing. It doesn't mean that you have to like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always working through my lunches and no one respects my time and uh, all of these things. Well, all of those things might be true. Is there an underlying cause that's okay. We haven't talked about time zones. No one's talked about time zones. And so we have to talk about time zones and respecting those things. And then I have to make sure that that boundary is enforced. 
that that person is backed up when they say like, Hey, you know what? I can't do that because that's 8 PM. And I have a kid like, like what, what are the things that, that are underlying? Listen, 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 listen. And, and then be willing to iterate on the systems. No one's right. The first time again, in, in every single meeting that I set up with the team that I did inherit, mm-hmm. um, I had in the permanent sort of like meeting invite, like meetings are here to serve us. We are not here to be slaves to the meetings. So if mm-hmm. this isn't working, please bring, talk to me about it, bring it up. This is the goal. If we're not achieving that goal, we need to iterate on the timing, the process, what we're covering, who we're covering it with, all of those things. That's okay. I know. Great, great advice. I I really like that. (laughs) Uh, So I know that you're out in Anchorage now, which is a a dream come true. I would love (laughs) to get out there one day. It's wonderful for the summer. It's uh, a little dark in the winter, but yes, yeah, I can tell like it's getting dark here now, but by you, it's, it stays light out until like midnight. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's this time of year. We're light until like 9 PM, I think 930. Okay. Yeah. Very neat. So it's start. it's getting to be a little bit more standard, but <laughs> um, yeah, for, for that kind of like middle of June part, it's like, oh, like it's yeah. <laughs> like 2 AM to 4 AM is dark. And you're like, mm. yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to sleep. That's so neat. That's, that's kind of crazy. Um, And so, yeah, this new kind of remote world allows us to, you know, go off to these different destinations that we wouldn't typically think of. My wife and I took our kids down to Savannah, Georgia from the New York city region. Uh, We love it so far, but um, I'm not really planning. (laughs) I don't think on ever going back to an office. What Mm -hmm. do you think um, the kind of future for UX design working out of you know, big cities is you think it's uh we'll all yeah. go back one day or <laughs> I think it's really gonna depend on the company. I I can see if if it's a company that is really devoted to still having in person, I know that Dropbox just released a couple of days an article that they are working on making like fully turning their offices into collaborative spaces mm-hmm. um instead of kind of like work zones. Uh, so that so that the actual point of gathering is a little bit more crystallized and confirmed. Um, I, I I think it's going to be a spectrum. I, I, yeah. There are going to be some places that go like, yeah, fully remote. That's great. Cool. Yeah. Um, we don't have to have office space anymore. We can save a bunch of money and not really lose anything in productivity, uh, which is incredible. And I hope more places understand <laughs> that. Um, but I, th- there are also going to be places where like, yeah, you do want to gather sometimes physically in person. Yeah. What uh, like my dream absolutely would be to have like one week a month or every other sprint or something that is designated for folks to gather yeah. um, or once a quarter or some sort of some sort of time period where we are all gathering from our disparate disparate locations. Yeah. Um, to have that time and to have not just, not just the time to work, but the time to kind of bond and build that trust as a team, it can be done fully remotely. It absolutely can. Um, but I, I don't think we as humans will ever fully lose that desire to like, no, the, like, like encounter in the 3d meet space, the people that, that we work with and that we enjoy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, I think that's the perfect use of an office space is, yeah. Maybe once a quarter, once a month, uh, whatever the time frame is, is to have a big workshop, but you know, more of a workshop, not just to 
come to a solution on something, but to see everybody and grow the team and build the trust and communication. And yeah. And all those connections, like it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so where do you go for inspiration uh, these days to, you know, keep up on things and. Yeah, I, I go to all sorts of places. Um, I, uh, I, there are, I have a, a book list a mile long. Um, I, I love reading about, I mean, it, I, I think anything that you put into your brain, it doesn't just have to be UX. It doesn't just have to be this psychology interface work. I mean, you know, all of those things that are, that are kind of close by, but also art history. I mean, like get, get into your, the weird side passions that you have and bring those things back because human beings are amazing. Like human beings have done a lot of cool stuff in, in our time on the, you know, in this environment. So like, Mm -hmm. I, I think inspiration can come from anywhere. Um, in terms of keeping up with trends, medium is always a great, you know, you you can, it's like a democratized platform. You can kind of take from it what works for you and what doesn't, but there are so many voices on there that, um, don't necessarily hit mainstream publishing, um, people of color who are practicing, uh, people who are disabled, who are, are speaking to like, you know, the, the implications of the ADA and where that's Mm -hmm. falling short and not serving us anymore and how, how it needs to be improved and, uh, how design can be improved to, to be more aware and inclusive and all, all those kinds of things. So I think there are a lot of really important voices in independent publishing. Fantastic. Fantastic. And so I know you're taking a break, but um, any kind of inclination to what's uh, next for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm in general, as I kind of look, look for um, where I go next, what I do next. Uh, uh, I, the, there is an, an eye to me <laughs> towards video games. Um, I don't know exactly how that expresses, but it's been a passion my whole life. I have some friends who are in the industry and every single time I see what they're working on, I'm like, oh, oh, there's some, there's some cool stuff going on in, in not just necessarily publicly facing interface work, but also the interfaces that let game designers do what they do. Mm. Um, okay. So like, like, I think, I think everyone looks at consumer facing and it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I want to work on something that I can point my friends and family to and say, I worked on that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Not knocking that at all, but there are some really interesting problems to solve behind the scenes. You have instant access to your users. Like there's, and, and you're helping people still make really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's, oh. there's some stuff behind the curtain is, is a, a really interesting space that I think a lot of people discount and, uh, keeping an eye out no that's really cool um video games is i think such a neat industry and it's exploding and there's all sorts of new stuff with like vr and Mm -hmm. ar and all that i love it i was actually like my first internship was uh, packaging and advertising for video games nice and i loved it that was such a cool place to work but um (laughs) (laughs) i really can't thank you enough for coming on um before we go maybe just yeah if there's somebody out there i know we both kind of got our start in graphic design that type of area so maybe just some words of advice for a graphic designer who's thinking maybe ux is the thing for me um what would you tell them in order to get them started in the right direction um i would tell them to to look to some of the the educational spaces um but you don't i don't think especially if you have a background in graphic design uh i don't think you have to go through a boot camp to get enough to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there are a lot of, uh, again, there's so many resources now for, for learning UX, you learn UX online, learn this thing. If, if it is something that you are drawn towards or gravitate towards, go explore those in as low cost a way as you can start, mm-hmm. start getting a sense of the ropes and the, the principles and the day-to-day life of what that all is. Um, and, and then if you like it, maybe it's worth a higher investment, but, but it initially just see if it jives for you. Um, there is still, there's still, if you like the agency model, there are tons of UX agencies. There are tons of UX consultancies. I was working for, for a consultancy that had a UX arm, um, UX design, digital arm. Um, yeah, but don't, don't, don't feel like in order to like break into it, you have to go drop hundreds of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of dollars on a certification and a this and a that and a that there's, um, there's a lot that you can do with understanding the principles, understanding the perspectives, understanding mm-hmm. the tools, uh, and then doing a couple of, of portfolio pieces and spec pieces. Um, just, just to kind of prove out again to an interviewer that like, you, you know, you know where you're going mm-hmm. and you know how, where you've been informs that. Oh, fantastic. Um, appreciate that. And yeah. so where should people go to get in touch with you or learn more? Uh, E.G. Millen on everything. I am uh, trash at social media. <laughs> I am, I am the worst millennial, uh, an elderish millennial at, at uh, all of these things. So it's mostly pictures of my dog, um, but she's very cute. So <laughs> come join the party. Uh, and, and um, yeah, egmillan.com is my website. There's a contact form there. Anyone wants to get in touch? I'm, I, I, I like talking to people. I like helping people out. If, if there's anyone who's, um, who's, who's looking for a little, a little zoom coffee date or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm a human being. Hit me up. Oh, that's right. That's I really appreciate it, Ellie. Um, and it's yeah. wonderful to speak to you again and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Thomas. We really appreciate it. This was really fun. And that's the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. I'll be releasing a show about every other week or so. If you'd like to be a friend of the show, leaving a review and a comment on Apple would be very much appreciated. Share a link to this show with your friends and anyone else who's interested in UX design. Feel free to recommend topics you'd like to hear discussed here. And if you have any questions about design, design careers, or anything else for that matter, you can DM me on my Instagram at userflows.live. Now let's go create.